Joe Bundesar and, and with Impact Basketball, we're really excited to partner with Coaching You Live and Coach uh, Brendan Fair and Kevin Eastman with our certification program. We've put together an online program for player development, uh, over 17 hours of video that we feel will really change the way players are developed and, and be very, very helpful to coaches, trainers, parents all over the world. So really excited to partner with Coaching You Live. Uh, we've, we've put a special deal together with Coaching You Live to provide a discount code of Coaching You Live entered in our promo code, all lowercase, Coaching You Live at our website, impactbball.com, impactbball.com. If you click on Get Certified, and you can go right to the page to get signed up, enter that Coaching You Live code, and you will receive the discount. But really excited. It's a great program. I think that it's going to change the way players are developed. That's been our mission since we started uh, training players 18 years ago, and it continues to be our mission. Welcome to another edition of a Coaching You podcast with the coach, Brendan Sir, and one of my favorite guests that we ever have, the third time, I believe, uh, for John Gordon on Coaching You Live podcast. Uh, John, welcome, my friend. Thanks, Brendan. It's great to be back. You know, we're in the NBA Finals right now, and I know, I, you know, you know how much, uh, you know, I have a total man crush on you. I make no bones about it, you know, uh, and all my friends and listeners likewise uh, do. You're the Steph Curry and LeBron James of author and speaker world for me, and you're my MVP, uh, and every time I marvel at your talent uh, and what you do with it, and... Every time you do something, I got to tell you, you amaze me because I don't know how sometimes you get there. The, you know, and, and I and I got to tell our audience, uh, you know, and and we have such an incredible group that listens to, especially every time you come on. Um, you know, you're you're you've been such a great friend in that you share your manuscripts many times before with me, uh, to you know, like we always do, you know, help each other. And when you shared the hard hat with me, I immediately said, wow, what a story. And I said to you, you didn't tell me anything about it. You just sent it to me. And I said, John, this isn't a fable. This is the real deal. He goes, yes. How did it come about? Well, one of the most uh, difficult projects I've ever had, because it wasn't a fable, I couldn't make things up. I had to actually interview people and get facts and talked to all of George's teammates, his family. George Bayardi was a young man who went to Cornell University. He played lacrosse there. As a freshman, he carried the hard hat, and the hard hat was given to a freshman who had uh, the best work ethic, who was the most selfless, who was the hardest worker. And so it was an honor to carry this hard hat. It said, hey, you were someone special who was willing to give it all to your team. And so as a freshman, he carried this hard hat. Well, throughout his years at Cornell, George demonstrated this kind of incredible leadership and, and selfless attitude and servant leadership. And as a senior, in the beginning of the season, they're playing Binghamton. And it's a very close game. It should have been. They should have been killing him, but it's a, it's a very close game. And a, a Binghamton guy goes to take the shot, and George jumps in front of the shot to try to stop a goal and gets hit in the chest with the ball and died on the field, 22 years old, and he passed away in that game. Their leader, the heart of the team, uh, was gone. His parents were not there. It was one of the few games that his parents ever missed. So Jeff Tambroni, the head coach at the time, uh, 
you know, finds the news from the hospital, has to go tell the team, has to call the parents. One of the most difficult moments of his life. His parents fly up there. His parents go see George one last time. They go and visit the team in the locker room. These young men are just sobbing and, and weeping and crying. And the mom goes around the room and tells the team how much George loved them, how much he loved playing with them, how they're going to get through this together as a family. She went around the room and touched each young man on the head. They were, you know, 18 and 22-year-olds. The coaching staff was 27, 29. Jeff Tamboni was 33. You know, a lot of young men just go into a really tragic time. And in that moment, she would tell me in the interview, she said that, uh, she knew they were all her sons. I said, how did you do it? How did you find the strength? You were dying on the inside. She said, I knew how much they were hurting, and I had to be there for them. So here was this incredible woman, this incredible family, her husband Mario, and who had just lost her son. And it shows where George got his leadership from, where he got his selflessness from. And so after his death, they put George's number on the hard hat, number 21, they put it on the hard hat, and this hard hat came to symbolize George and the kind of uh, lacrosse player that would play at Cornell, the kind of person that would play, the kind of person that you wanted to be, the selflessness that you had to have, the kind of teammate you wanted to be, the hard worker that you needed to be, the committed person you needed to be. And George demonstrated all those characteristics, and then Cornell lacrosse came to embody those characteristics of George and the hard hat. And ever since... They've been a, a powerhouse program in the country. John, talk about how, you know, what what grabbed me is that, you know, terrible things happen all the time, unfortunately, and we are very sad. And then, frankly, in our world of whatever we want to call it, it goes away. This young man has sustained something, memories, uh, leadership, the essence of being a teammate for years now. Talk about the 21 dinner. and I mean, that, just the idea of that sustaining itself alone nowadays is just very powerful. Yeah, I went up to Cornell University after the 2007 NCAA tournament. I just saw this team play with such passion and, mm -hmm. and purpose. I never saw a team play harder. So I went up there, and I went to Jeff Tambro, and I said, hey, what is it about about you? What is it about this team that – that is just so passionate and just plays so hard. And he told me about George. He told me about the hard hat. I was so intrigued. So I went to the 21 dinner the following year. The 21 dinner is where everyone gathers from throughout the years at Cornell, especially George's teammates. Hundreds of people gather every year, and they honor and they celebrate George's life. Jeremy Schaap is, is the uh, MC, And that's a cool story, too, because Jeremy yeah. Schaap's dad, Dick Schaap, War number 21. How about So that? he was number 21. He played goalie at Cornell. Most people don't know that. And so Jeremy's very, so I read the book. Yep. Yeah, Jeremy's very tied into Cornell lacrosse and that community. So he, he wears number 21. So Jeremy does that uh, hosting every year. And it's just an incredible dinner. I just saw all these people gathering. I was just amazed that years later people would still gather for George, still celebrate uh, his life, still honor him, and it just showed me the impact that he was still having, and I just got a chance to interview a lot of a lot of his friends over the years and got a chance to know him and understand the kind of teammate George was. I actually spoke at the 21 dinner a few wow. years ago, 
And that's where I first started to really learn about George because for my talk, I wanted to know more about him. And so yeah. for that talk, I had to prepare for it. And that's where I got the, a glimpse of, of who he was. And that was the first time I thought, well, I need to start writing some of these things down. And then I just knew I needed to tell the story. I mean, all the royalties go to George's foundation in this book. So, you know, I'm not here to make a dime. I, I realized as I was writing this book, I cannot profit from this young man's life. He is so special. He transformed me as I was writing it. He had an impact on his team. He had an impact on everyone who knew him. He had an impact on me. So I'm like, I cannot, you know, profit from him. So, so everything goes towards his foundation. But it's amazing how his legacy continues to live on. And now we're able to share the kind of person he was and the characteristics that made him a great teammate. And I had the idea, you know what, I want to share with people what made him a great teammate so that people then could learn to be a great teammate. You know, working with all the teams like I do, I see how we have people who really need to learn how to be a great teammate. I see the deficit that we have. I see the challenge we have. We have more self selfishness than ever, right? Not selfless. We have more oh, selfishness than ever. Oh, yes. Right. And so I started to say, you know what? In my talk, it was it was three things you control every day. You control your attitude, your actions, right, and your effort and who you are as a teammate. You control those every day. So how can you be a great teammate? And ultimately, this book answers that question. George, like all of uh, – George is a perfect example because he was 22 of someone that was what I call unconsciously competent as a teammate. It was natural to him. He wasn't like he had read one of your books and said, I'm going to do what John said, the seven C's. You know, this was who he was, correct? Oh, yeah. I mean, he he and, was the, and, the teammate before the seven C's. Yes. And so what happens now is in you reconstructing uh, about this young man's life and what his value that he brought to his teammates who loved him, which nowadays is a rare thing, by the way, uh, you came up with 21 would you call them lessons of what a great teammate or that George basically taught his teammates? Would that be a fair way to describe it? Very much so. He taught his team by the way he lived his life. One of his favorite sayings was, well done is, is better than well yeah. said. So I, I all that about demonstrating. Wow. I love that. Yeah, well done is better than well said. He, he didn't say much. He didn't really talk a lot. He didn't talk a lot at all, actually, but he just demonstrated these 21 ways uh, their habits, characteristics, principles, lessons on what it means to be a great teammate, and uh, he demonstrated them. You know, I read the book once in manuscript form, and then uh, when you made some changes, uh, once you sent me, uh, once I got the copy, and I said, uh, you know, it, I always, when I read things, I say, okay, who's this like? Have I ever coached anyone like this? You know, mm -hmm. I've coached so many guys, and and he was Joe Dumars to me, mm. uh, the great Piston. And Joe never said boo, never said boo. But, man, did he, everything was about actions, everything by example. Isaiah, Lambier, those guys did all the talking. Joe never said boo. and But Joe, he played at an unbelievable level with great values. And, and, I, and I kept thinking about him because I kept seeing and hearing you talk about George, how he was a quiet, you know, not a vociferous leader and all. And that's really probably what made his teammates even, you know, respect him more, right? Yes, when I asked his teammates, you know, why did you follow George, what made him such a great leader, they all said that he didn't ask for it. He didn't want recognition. 
he would probably be mortified that a book was written about him. He wasn't that kind of leader. He didn't want the attention. He just wanted to make his team better. He just cared about them every day. He was just selfless. He went out of his way to just serve his team in a variety of ways. This was a kid that when he was graduating was planning to go teach for Teach for America in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, the Indian reservations around that area to go work at an Indian reservation to teach the poorest of the poor. So this is the kind of servant that he was. And 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 what makes that special? And, and I don't want to get into his family situation. It's a private thing. But you know, a Cornell kid comes from affluency, so to speak. But to go do something for people less fortunate, that speaks so much about his values. Correct? Very much so. His team yeah. talked about the fact that that desire to do that was exemplified in how he acted every day towards his team. So, for instance. To be a great teammate, he would literally be the last to leave the locker room every single day throughout his career. Other guys were going to see their girlfriends, wanted to get back, go to dinner. George would stay in the locker room, and he would clean up after everyone left. And then he would give freshmen rides home. So whoever needed a ride home, he would wait there and give them a ride home. And throughout the years, he gave a bunch of people a ride home, and they all remember that ride. They remember the encouragement. They remember George just being there for them. So you have this group of younger players who play with George who saw the leader taking the time to serve them, cleaning the locker room, then driving them home. That spoke volumes. You know, and, and cleaning the locker room, you know, you know, our our mothers would be proud of that, right, John? But <laughs> uh, but 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 that actually became in in essence lesson twenty one, leave the place better than you found it, correct? Very much so. And I had to ask myself, uh, if I would have died on the field because I played lacrosse at Cornell just like yes. George. So that, that's that, so what makes this story. even more amazing, right? Yeah. Yeah. Eleven years before, before he got there, I played on that same field, played the same position. But I asked myself, if I would have died, would have I, would I have had the same impact? And the answer is emphatically no. I asked his teammates the same question: Would you have had the same impact? The answer was no. Why? Because George left the place better than he found it because he was that servant leader, because it was always about the team. It was always about others, because he didn't speak much, because he didn't complain, because he worked harder than everyone else, because he pursued excellence into everything that he did, because he was he was a joyful spirit, too. Yeah, he was hardworking, but, but he was great to be around. He, he would smile a lot, and he, he would laugh, and at, at parties he would play reggae and dance until he was covered with sweat. He was that kind of kid who just loved it, and you know, I never met him, and yet I feel like I know him because of all the interviews I did and all the stories that people told about him. It was like there were ten Georges, not one, because he seemed to do so much for so many people. You're thinking, hey, how did this kid do it all? And his name was Mario St. George Priority. So in many ways, you know, he was that kind of teammate that, that hey, we can't be like George is what I tell people. When I talk to teams now, I say, hey, we can't be George. But you know what? We can strive to be like him. We can pick a few characteristics that we're lacking, that we know we need to focus on, and we can start to focus on those. We can start to connect more with our teams. You know, we can start to ask teammates, hey, come with me and let's let's practice some more. Come with me and let's go volunteer with some kids downtown and help them learn how to read. Come with me and let's, you know, let's go get some dinner and just talk about the challenges you're facing. We can be those kind of teammates, and, and when we do – 
will not only make ourselves better, we'll make our team better. You know, every time I read uh, one of your books, they inspire me still, and I know it's coming. You know, it's like, you know, I know I'm going to see this movie, but I know it's going to be really good. But when I get one of your books, I know it's going to do something to me and make a change in my life for the better. And one, and the thing about this, I always then take your book, without even seeing your action plans and stuff that you supply, I say, what would I do with my team with this? Mm. And when I, when, I, when I went through this, I said, okay, this is like a curriculum almost, and I'm saying, i got 21 lesson plans here. I've got maybe, how do I do it, maybe one a week, um, you know, starting in the summertime with my team of let's focus on connecting this week. Let's focus on communicating this week and everything that we do, and maybe I can get our team to better because I can't say, okay, read 21 of these and shazam, you're better. Right. How, how would exactly. you know it? You know, I wish it was that easy. Instant gratification of the millennials. We want that. But how would you how would you encourage us to do it? Because you know you're kind of the master at this. Well, actually, the genius is always in the audience. So when I was with the Pittsburgh Pirates, uh, yeah. uh, the assistant GM told me, "Hey, John, this is a great idea. Twenty one ways. Did you know that there are twenty one weeks in the in the in the spring training leading up to the." to the uh, you know regular season? I said, no, I had no idea. He goes, oh, 21 ways. We're going to do one a week. So I think just like you said, Brendan, you can do one a week is, is a great thing if you, have, if you have time. If you don't have time, we just created an action plan, and what you'll be able to do with this action plan is you'll have all these things as you're going through each habit, writing down what you want to do, and you'll have all these actions, right? Well, you can't do all of them at once. So what yep. we're going to do is you have a master list at the end, and you're going to go through the plan and then – on the master list, write all the actions that you have decided you want to take. Then you're going to pick your top three, the top three that you want to focus on first. And once you have your top three, then you're going to pick the next one that you're going to focus on, and you do that one. Then once you get that one done, then you do number two. Then you do number three. And when you've mastered three of those habits, then you can move on to the rest. So this is a way that will inspire people to actually take action and make it simple enough and not overwhelming that they'll be able to do it. Covey's research shows that if we try to do three things at once, right, we'll have a 30% chance of success. We try to do two, we'll have over a 50% chance. But if you just pick one thing, you focus on that one action, 97% chance of success of implementing that habit. So I was right. I was a good coach again. You you know, you're my coach, and you are a great coach. (laughs) I don't, I don't care what anyone says about you. That's right. Who, care, who cares about my record? Uh, no, this, is, this is incredible, uh, and I love it because, uh, you know, our, our mutual friend Kevin Eastman, you know, I love things that for the off season can now get me going for the season. And uh, Kevin corrected me and told me, Brendan, we have no off season. Every season for learning is an on season. So for our on-season of learning, continuous learners that we are, this is a must-read. And I always say, here's my Coaching You Live must-reads. My friend, the hard hat is it. It is a summer read. George Raveling, I saw he put it out on his list, and it is a must. It is one, if you have a team of any sort, a business of any kind, institute the hard hat. And you can have a lot of fun with it, and your team will get better. John, well, thanks, Brendan. I've I've heard from people who have um, already read it. I've hear, I'm hearing from coaches already, and they're saying, "Hey, we're doing this with our team." And then people have already read it. Said they're already changed by George's example. It's 
it's amazing. They're, they're saying, wow, it's it's really transformative. And that's what I hoped in writing this book. I just want to help people be better teammates. And if I can do that and they read this book and that's what happens to them, and we make better teams, we build stronger relationships, more selfless people, better human beings, because um, that's my goal, to be the best I can be as well, uh, yeah. then we will accomplish our mission with this book and also help George's Foundation and, and do the great work in education and scholastics and sports. You know, uh, last night uh, as I was preparing again, having read it twice and I'm going through different notes, uh, I, it, one of the books that I read that all of a sudden I'm tearing up reading it did the things about this young man, and uh, that's impactful. Thank you for sharing this. And uh, George is looking down. He's not saying much, but he's smiling. <laughs> Thanks, Brendan. That's awesome.